Um, you know, I had, a, I had a sermon planned out. I plan pretty far in advance. Sometimes things happen, you need to change it. And uh, when I heard about, you know, what we talked about earlier with, with Tim, uh, it, it was a pretty easy decision for me to make to say, you know, we're going to change courses. Um, we're going to change courses this, this week, and uh, we're just going to talk about Jesus and what Jesus has done for sinners. Uh, and so, uh, if you would, let's pray together, and then we're going to start. God, we come before you, and we are grateful for that privilege. We certainly don't deserve it. We have no right to expect it, because we are sinners, and we have fallen short of your glory. God, we praise you in the name of Jesus, who has restored us. And we pray restoration for everyone who needs it, God. The truth is that every single one of us in here needs it. Some of us have recognized it and come to you and sought you out and asked for restoration, and some of us still need to, God. So I pray that you would teach all of us today of our need for you and of your willingness to restore us. We love you, God. We thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start with Joseph Damien. He was a missionary in the 19th century. He ministered to people with leprosy on the island of Molokai in Hawaii. Those suffering, uh, they grew to love him, and they revered the sacrificial life that he lived. One morning before Joseph was getting ready to lead in the daily worship service, he was pouring some hot water into a cup to make tea, and some of it swirled over the edge of the cup, and it fell onto his bare foot. It took him a moment to realize that he hadn't felt anything. He hadn't felt any pain. Gripped by the sudden fear of what this could mean, he poured more hot water on the same spot on his foot and no feeling. He knew immediately what had happened. As he walked tearfully to deliver his sermon, no one at first noticed the difference in his opening line. He normally began every sermon with, my fellow believers, but on this day, he changed his greeting so it said, my fellow lepers. Let's talk about leprosy. Let's talk about leprosy. First of all, leprosy is incurable. Once you have it, you have it. There's nothing you can do to get rid of it. Because leprosy is incurable, when, when it's discovered that somebody has leprosy, they are isolated immediately and permanently isolated. They're separated from their loved ones and they begin to live a new life in a leper colony. That was true in Bible times, it's true today. The Old Testament says that a leper is to be sent outside the camp so they don't infect or defile other people. That's from the book of Leviticus. So they don't infect or defile other people. Isn't that interesting language? Infect or defile other people. By Jesus' day, it was mandatory for lepers to stay 40 feet away from everyone else. They lived in their leper colonies, but they still had to do things like get water. And so when they would go to get water, they had to stay 40 feet away from everyone else. And when they approached anyone, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, at the top of their voice so everyone would know that they should stay away from them. 
I don't think it's an accident that Jesus uses leprosy to describe sin's effect in our lives. See, like leprosy, once you have sin, you have it. There's nothing you can do to cure it. There's nothing you can do to get rid of it. And just as leprosy isolates a person, the more sin takes hold of us, the more removed we get from the people that we love and care about. And once we sin, we are isolated from God. Romans says that when we sin, we fall short of God's glorious standard and there is an isolation, a gap, a 40 feet, if you will, between us and God. So leprosy is incurable. It brings isolation and it brings hopelessness. Sin is incurable. It isolates and it brings hopelessness. But the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. I want to show you a little bit about how Jesus deals with leprosy. Because we can't deal with leprosy. We can't deal with leprosy. We can't deal with our sin. But let me show you how Jesus handles leprosy. This is from uh, Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. He said, Lord... If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus, in this incredibly scandalous act, here's what we see. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy, and this will be public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now, conventional wisdom, conventional wisdom would have said, make sure you stay 40 feet away. Make sure you stay 40 feet from him. Just them. Do you ever notice that lepers don't have names in the Bible? So their whole identity is wrapped up in this disease that they have. In the Bible, lepers don't have names. They're just called leper. And I don't know if that's how you feel, but sometimes I just feel like sinner. Sinner. So make sure you stay 40 feet away from them. They're just lepers. Don't go near them. They're beyond help. And maybe when we read the paper and we see Mugshot Monday, we don't see a name. We just see a picture of somebody who we perceive to be unclean. Unclean. Make sure you stay 40 feet away from them. Make sure nobody sees you talking to them at the grocery store. 40 feet. Instead, Jesus breaks the 40-foot barrier. Jesus breaks the 10-foot barrier. Jesus breaks the 5-foot barrier. And you can almost hear this audible gasp as Jesus reaches out and touches an unclean leper who has an incurable disease. Now, according to the law of Moses, this contact between Jesus and a leper would have made Jesus unclean. 
Jesus would have been unclean. He would have to isolate himself. He'd have to separate himself from the people to observe whether or not he had leprosy or contracted it. And according to the law of Moses, this would have made Jesus unclean, but that's not what happens. Instead of the leper making Jesus sick, Jesus makes the leper well. That's how Jesus deals with leprosy. And this is a miracle. This is a miracle of God. By the way, anytime we see a person in the Bible cured of leprosy, it is a miracle. But a miracle is always about more than the action we see. This miracle is a foreshadowing of the forgiveness of sins that Jesus came to accomplish. So what Jesus is saying here is, you see this incurable, highly contagious disease that changes everything about your life and isolates you from the people that you love? I can cleanse you of that. And just as easily as I can cleanse you of that, I can cleanse the sin which is keeping you from God. So what can we learn about forgiveness of our sin from this story? First of all, I want, you to know, I want you to notice how the story starts. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean. The man with leprosy, he comes to Jesus and he says two things. Two really important things. First of all, he says that Jesus has the power to heal him. He says that Jesus has the power to heal him. That sounds an awful lot like faith to me. Sounds an awful lot like faith. I, I have conversations with people, right? I, I talk with different people, but there are not too many people that I approach and say, you have the power to heal me and make me clean. This leper approached Jesus in that way. He had faith. He believed that Jesus could heal him. A common sense, common sense says, don't bother, silly leper. You won't even be able to get close to Jesus. Common sense says, leprosy is incurable. What do you expect this religious man to do? Common sense doesn't lead this leper to Jesus. But do you know what this leper would say? Jesus isn't common. Jesus isn't common. In 1946, there was a there was a fire at the LaSalle Hotel in Chicago, and it killed 61 people. And the walls of the hotel, they were made of highly lacquered oak, and they were incredibly flammable. In addition, many of the doors designed to, to prevent the spread of fire on each floor were left open to improve ventilation and airflow. It ended up being a perfect storm for a fast-spreading fire. And as tragic as the LaSalle Hotel fire was, where 61 people died, it was also miraculous that more people didn't perish. See, there were over 1,000 guests in the hotel that evening, and the fire started after midnight when many were already asleep. And the fact that so many were saved is due in large part to the heroism of one hotel switchboard operator. Her name was Julia Berry. 
It was through Mrs. Berry's switchboard that the original 911 call first went out. And the evening manager, Mr. W.H. Bradfield, told police, after she made the call, I told her to get out, and then I ran up the stairs to alert more guests. She said, no, I'm going to stick here. Maybe I can do some good. And I want to read you this clip from the Chicago Daily Tribune from two days later. And it describes this encounter between Bradfield and Mrs. Berry that evening. As the inferno grew, Bradfield, the assistant night manager, came across Julia Berry again, the hotel's night operator at the switchboard alerting guests. He later said that the second time he saw her, he literally tried to drag her out, suffering facial burns in the process. Knowing that the hotel did not have any sort of alarm system to alert guests of the danger, Barry replied, no, I'm going to stay. We've got to give the folks on the top floors a chance. The fireman ultimately found her burned body slumped over the switchboard, her earphones still in place, her fingers clutching a phone plug. Fire officials later said that her selfless act saved hundreds and hundreds of lives. Why do we remember stories like that? Why are we affected by stories like that? Why do we remember names like Julia Berry? Because Julia Berry wasn't common. She was extraordinarily brave. She gave her life to save hundreds of guests at the LaSalle Hotel. Now let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Jesus allowed himself to be arrested for a crime he didn't commit. And he allowed himself to be unjustly accused, standing silent as his accusers mocked him and belittled him. He allowed himself to be beaten. He carried a cross through the streets of Jerusalem until he was too weak to continue. And when he reached his destination, his reward was to be nailed to that cross. And just as Julia Berry didn't have to stay at the phone while the flames surrounded her, Jesus did not have to stay on the cross as the hammer rose. And he didn't have to stay on the cross as it rose again. And he didn't have to stay on the cross as it was hoisted vertical or as the crowds mocked him or as he struggled for each breath. And why did he do it? To save the sinners of this world from our spiritual leprosy. So there he stayed. He stayed on the cross as the first nail pierced his skin. He stayed on the cross as the last one did. He stayed on the cross as he struggled for each breath. And he stayed on the cross as the struggle ended and he could draw no more breaths. And as he stayed on the cross, he became our sin. He didn't just... He didn't just get punished for our sin. He became our sin. Second Corinthians 5.21 says it this way. It said, God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We talk about this incredible miracle of Jesus healing leprosy. Jesus healed our sin. Jesus took my sin and your sin and all the sin of all the people who have ever lived and all the people who will ever live and endured it so that we don't have to. Now all we have to do is act like that leper did. 
All we got to do is act like that leper in Matthew chapter 8. What did he say? He said, Lord, if you're willing, I know you can heal me, and I know you can make me clean. And as surely as that leper was cleansed that day, each of us can be cleansed of our sins. But we should follow the example of the leper. I want you to notice what he did. He came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. Don't, don't overlook that very simple first step. He came to Jesus. People who don't think they have a problem don't seek someone out to help them with that problem. Why? Because they don't have a problem. They don't have a problem. This leper came to Jesus. He knew he had a problem. And he knew he needed to be cleansed. Do you understand that you need Jesus? Or do you think you have it under control? Most of us understand that at some point we've sinned, right? Most of us understand that at some point we've kind of crossed that barrier uh, from this is acceptable, this is gray area over here into, oh, we, we all kind of understand that we've crossed that sin barrier at some point in our life. But a lot of us think that, well, you know what, we're fine. As long as, as, long as the scales are more in the good favor than in the bad favor, then we're in good shape. That's not how it works. Is it possible to have just a little bit of leprosy? Go ahead and interact with me a little bit. Is it possible to just... I, imagine, let's say we're at the grocery store, okay, and, uh, and we're talking, you and I, you, you. And we're, we're having a conversation. You're buying peanut butter, right? I'm healthier than that. I'm just getting some uh, gluten-free bread. But, uh, you know, we're, we're having a conversation, and uh, I say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I probably should have mentioned this earlier. I got leprosy, but don't worry. I just got a little bit of leprosy. How are you feeling at that point? Yeah, you're going, I really, really would have preferred you mentioned this earlier. Right? I, suddenly, I'm not so hungry for peanut butter anymore. It's not possible to have a little bit of leprosy. It's not possible to have a little bit of sin. If you got a little bit of sin, you got a lot of not okay. Okay? So it's just this idea of as long as the scales are more in the good favor than the bad favor, it doesn't hold water. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of sin makes the whole person sinful. And a little bit of sin makes all of us incurable. Just a little bit of sin separates us from God. And if we're being honest, can we just be honest together this morning? Would that be all right with you? If we're being honest, I think we've all got more than just a little bit of sin. Let me just say that. All right. We're all getting it out in the open now. Jesus died because none of us have our sin under control. Jesus died because none of us have our sin under control. Right? I got leprosy, but I'm taking care of it on my own. None of us have our sin under control. Some of us hide it better than others. Some of us struggle with different things, but each of us has sin, and Jesus died so that anybody who admits they need his help might be cleansed of that sin. Well, how do we admit we need him? Let's go back to our friend the leper. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me, and you can make me clean. The leper came to Jesus, he approached Jesus, he sought Jesus out. How do we do that? 
right? Because it, none of us have that, that same luxury. And none of us are walking down the road and it's like, by George, I think that's Jesus, right? That doesn't happen. I don't, I don't know what town you live in. Maybe it happens in your, maybe Jesus, okay? But, right, probably not going to be walking down the road and see Jesus, okay? So how do we, how do we, how do, we do that? How do we approach Jesus? Well, first of all, just like the leper, we got to believe that Jesus can help. That's faith. Then we got to acknowledge that we need life change. There's things that I need to quit. There's a spiritual leprosy going on inside of me I can't take care of on my own. That's repentance. There's things I need to get out of my life. Then we are baptized. We're baptized. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this. I want to, I want to talk about this because this is an often misunderstood um, idea when it comes to our faith. So I want to spend a little bit of time on it. There's a lot of passages we could look at when we talk about this idea of baptism. But 1 Peter 3.21 uh, is the most clear for me on the subject. So I don't know if you're taking notes, but uh, just make a reference of that if you want to look at it later. First Peter 3.21, here's what it says. It says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. It's not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but it's an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anybody see that word appeal in there? Do you hear me say the word appeal, or do you see it in your Bible there? Appeal. It is an appeal to God for a good conscience. It kind of reminds me what our friend the leper said to Jesus. Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean. When we follow the biblical pattern of baptism, what we're saying as we submit to this act of baptism, what we are saying in our soul Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. It's our appeal to God for a clear conscience, a good conscience through Jesus Christ. We're saying, Lord, I know that I have this spiritual leprosy that I can't do anything about, but you can heal me and make me clean. You know what the Lord will say when we go to him in that way and we say, Lord, will you heal me and make me clean? Do you know what he says? I love this part. Do you know what he says? Yes. He says yes. you know what that means? It means that it's time for all of us who are living like lepers to come and approach Jesus. It's time for all of us sinners to approach Jesus because he is willing to forgive. He is ready to forgive. He has gone to extraordinary lengths to make forgiveness possible. We all sin. We all sin. Some of us in the privacy of our homes, some of us in the privacy of our minds, some of us in the brutal eye of the public. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's only one distinction to be made. You think you can handle it, or do you know you need Jesus? That's the only distinction. Do you think you can handle it, or do you know you need Jesus? As we get ready to close, I want to share some words from C.S. Lewis. And uh, this is from his book, Life Together. C.S. Lewis uh, writes this. He says, He who is alone in his sin is utterly alone. 
It may be that Christians, notwithstanding corporate worship, common prayer, and and all their fellowship and service, may still be left to their loneliness. The final, final breakthrough to fellowship does not occur. It doesn't occur because... Though they have fellowship with one another as believers and as devout people, they do not have fellowship as the undevout. They don't have fellowship as sinners. This pious fellowship permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from the fellowship. We dare not be sinners. We dare not be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real-life sinner suddenly is discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. The fact is that we are all sinners. But it is the grace of the gospel which is so hard for the pious to understand that it confronts us with the truth and says, you are a sinner, a great desperate sinner. Now come! Come as the sinner you are to God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to sacrifice. He wants you alone. My son, give me thine heart. God has come to you to save the sinner. Be glad. This message is liberation through truth. You can hide nothing from God. The mask you wear before men will do no good before God He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you as you are. You do not have to go on lying to yourself and your brothers as if you were without sin. You can dare to be a sinner because Jesus came to save sinners. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And he loves the sin. And he hates, he loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. I guess the bottom line is this. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and what we really need is grace. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. If you need that grace today, I want to invite you to come. Stop living as a leper. Come to Jesus. We'll approach him together. And we will say, Lord, if you're willing, you can forgive me and make me clean. And the Lord will say, yes. So if you need that today, I want you to come. And we'll approach the Lord together.